second part of the Bless series life, <clears throat> talking today about breaking the spirit of mammon. Now, that's a strange word. I know, and before this is over, you're going to understand what it is. But, you know, last week, Pastor Jordan shared with you some principles out of the blessed life. And if you were not here, I would encourage you to go online and watch it because these two really work off of each other. But mammon, let's get into the word. How about that? We're going to start in the book of Luke chapter 16 with the words of Jesus in verse 9. He said, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. No person can serve two masters. It's impossible to serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know, the thing about serving God is that I, I, will, tell, I will guarantee you one thing, that if you will put Jesus as the center of your life, and his principles, if you will put those in the very center of your life, your finances, your marriages, your relationships, your life will come into order. Life cannot be in order unless Jesus is in the center. And it's so very important. You know, your marriages, for instance. You know the three major problems in marriages? That, as a matter of fact, you know the three main reasons why people divorce today in America? Three main reasons. One, sex and all of its problems. Number two, communication. People just don't know how to communicate. They know how to talk, but not communicate. And number three is money. Money causes people to divorce. It's a great pressure. And so we want Jesus in the center of everything. And so what is mammon? We're going to ask three simple questions today. And hopefully we'll answer them. What is mammon? Mammon is such a funny word. A lot of times people who know the Bible word think when you say mammon, they think of money. But really mammon doesn't really mean money. Actually, the word mammon comes from a, a word that has everything to do with idolatry. It has everything to do with the Assyrian god of riches that was worshipped in Babylon. Now, some of you know what Babylon is, and you, you wonder, well, where did Babylon come from? I mean, uh, you know, so if you say it real slow, you kind of get an idea like Babylon, like Babylon, Babylon, Babylon. You know, like she just babbles on and on. <laughs> Sometime him too. Babylon, Babylon, you know, and the, the, the city of Babylon came because one day people began to build a tower to heaven. You read this in the Bible. They began to build a tower higher and higher. And God saw what they were doing. And he said, I've got to take, I've got to take some action here. I've got to go down and I'm going, to, I'm going to do something. So he went down and he confused all the languages of the people who were working together. And the, 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 the construction on the tower ceased. 
He confused their language. Mammon is a place of confusion. It's a place of, of, of absolute disorder. That's what Babylon is, and that's what mammon causes. Tower of Babel, they were saying, let us get to heaven on our own. Even back then, people were seeking to do it all by themselves. Mammon represents prideful, arrogant spirit of humanity that says, we can do it by ourselves. We don't need God. Mammon is a spirit. It's a spirit that, that attaches itself to money. Either your money has the spirit of God on it, or it has the spirit of mammon on it. And the way you take the spirit of mammon off of your money is you redeem it with the first 10. You, taught, you were taught that last week. The first 10% of your money redeems the rest of the 90% of your money. So you might be wondering, what is with it? What, what is the deal with my finances? What are the deals with what's going on? You may check into this to see that there's a possibility that your money has not been redeemed by giving what God does, demands, actually. And we don't like to say that. That sounds manipulative. People think we're trying to get people's money when in, when in actuality, I can't get your money. Nobody can get your money. God has all your money. God owns everything. And he says, I want to see you give 10% of your money. You learned that last week. Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot do that. And, and then many people get mad at God when their finances don't work out. I know because I've dealt with people for a long, long time. And it's like, I can't believe, you know, this and that. I go, man, what's the deal? I thought God was going to bless me. Look, you know, this idea of, it's all mixed up, folks. We're all mixed up. In the church, we're all mixed up about what a blessed life is. Because we think a blessed life is getting, when in actuality, a blessed life is giving. We think a blessed life is being served, when in actuality, a blessed life is serving. And boy, once we get that, I mean, once you really get it, not just one week or two weeks, but once you get it, once you really, really get it, and it becomes a consistent thing in your life, then you're blessed. It is definitely more blessed to give than it is to receive. Mammon. I'm telling you right now, mammon will cause you to despise God. Because when you serve one master, if you're serving mammon, that spirit that's on money, then you're going to despise God. It happens all the time. It really does. Mammon is never loyal to you. You know, the thing about mammon, it promises security and freedom. It promises uh, identity and significance, but it never, ever pays off. It just, it promises all these things. It says, yeah, you know, money, money's going to give you happiness, but money never makes people happy. Some of you have more money now than you had five years ago, but you're no more happy now than you were five years ago. You get something new, it makes you happy for a moment or two. Like the new car makes you happy when you drive it off the lot. But then when the first note comes due, you're not happy any longer. Matter of fact, you just wished it, you wished it, you could bring it back, you know. It's just a car. It's an instrument, it's a tool to get you from one place to the next. But we kind of idolize our stuff in an amazing way. Mammon will always let you down. It will promise you, man, and you will just go after it like the proverbial carrot before the mule. You'll keep chasing it, and it keeps promising you. If you'll just go a little bit further, if you'll just get a little bit more, somehow or another, you're going to be happy. And the whole point is, is that mammon wants to take the place of God in your life. 
There's always something wanting to take the place of God in our life. It's like an antichrist. You know, the antichrist, that, that's a big deal. And a lot of people who just love end times, they just almost idolize the antichrist. Like, man, he's going to be this, he's going to be that. And there is an antichrist that's coming. There is going to be one man who is going to come with lying signs and one is empowered by Satan himself that's going to deceive many, many people. That is coming in the future. But the apostle John said this. He says, that you, you know that Antichrist is coming, but there's, there's already many Antichrists in the world. The reason we know that the Antichrist is so much going to use the monetary system is because it says it in the Bible. Revelation 13, it simply says that no person, no one is going to be able to buy or sell unless they get the mark of the beast. Wow. Isn't it amazing that he would use buying and selling? Isn't it amazing that he used economy? You know, the monetary system? Why? Because we love money so much. And we love stuff so much. And we're so, so afraid of everything. Look, a storm can begin to skirt the east coast of the United States. And the weatherman comes and says, it's going to be a bad storm. And what happens? The first thing happens. All the stores empty of all the food. People were literally fighting in the aisles of the grocery stores because a storm might be coming. Can you imagine what would happen when all the food really disappeared? Help us, Jesus. Help us, Lord, with what's going on. If you just had more money, you know what? If we just had more money, wouldn't things be great? The amazing thing is that Jesus never said, if you had more money, Jesus never said more money would fix anything. The Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is really the answer to everything. Now, not the kind of Jesus that we just give, hey, hey, how you doing, Jesus? But I'm talking when an individual truly trusts completely in Christ. Somebody told me today, said, uh, I said, hey, it's a good day. They said, well, why is it a good day? I said, ah, it's a good day. They said, well, it's a good day because you got up. I said, well, it might have been a better day if I didn't get up and I'd be, in the, I'd be uh, with Jesus. Does that scare you to die? Why? Because we might not get a chance to get what we've been hoping to get. Man, if Jesus calls, you can have my car. And all my stuff, because I'm not taking any of it with me, not one stitch. I think I'm going up naked. I don't know. He said, <laughs> that's what the Bible says. Came into this world with nothing, you leave it with nothing, man. You know what I mean? I know they dress us up in the box, but I'm telling you that uh, we gone. It's wonderful. It's great, you know. If I had more money, I wouldn't need God. Mammon is such evident in the world today, in our nation today, in America. We're such a, oh, such a financial, oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, you know, you know, the, the emperor of Japan gets a coal and the dollar drops 10%. CNN says this is going to happen and people go empty their bank accounts. People are prepping with beans and bullets and all kinds of things because they're afraid of what might happen. And they don't trust Jesus. Don't touch our money. Money is an amazing thing. To serve money is an amazing thing. I had a neighbor next to my grandmother's house when we were growing up. Her and Mr. and Mrs. Sam Lamondola. And uh, they owned the local gas station right there in the middle of town. So back in those days when you owned a business, any kind of business, you were like, you had money. And so they had some money. And he died. 
And she lived right next door to my grandmother's house. And I used to play in her backyard. And, and she, just, she, she just lived like a poor lady. You know what I mean? Old sackcloth, you know, like, uh, looked like feed sacks, old flowered dresses, you know, old worn out shoes. Just pitiful. And she died. And when they were going through her stuff, they found $35,000 worth of cash in her top sock drawer. And there was a lot more in other places too. She was living like a poor person, though she had money. And that's the fear of losing money. And that's what happens to a lot of older people. They, they save, save, save. But then when they get older and they should be spending the money to live, 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 they live like they're poor, poor, poor. Why? Because mammon is such a spirit on us that it breeds fear into us. And Jesus wants us to be free of that. He wants us to be free. So what's mammon? That's what mammon is. It's a spirit on our money unless we redeem it by giving the tenth. So then the second question is, is money evil? Is it evil? I mean, really and truly. You know, if we think of mammon as money instead of a spirit on the money, then we might say, you know, money is the root of all evil. How many of you know that money is the root of all evil? Money is the root of all evil. And that's how a lot of people think. I hear that quoted continually, but it's not even true. It's not even real. It's not even accurate. Let's go to where it's really accurate. First Timothy chapter six, verse 10, Paul says, for the love of money, there it is. The love of money is the root of all evil for which some having strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Hmm. So how does that happen? By the love of money. It's the root of all kinds of evil. I am astonished at the greed in the world today. I'm astonished at the manipulation and the extortion of people today. Everybody's trying to get your money. Everybody's calling you and the credit card companies call me every day of my life. Every day I go to the, the mailbox, somebody wants to give me a credit card, but they don't want to give me a credit card. They're not trying to help me. They're trying to get me caught in the credit card trap. Some of you are caught in the credit card trap right now, and you'd say, it's a trap. Well, yes, it's a trap. No interest for 32 years, but watch out if you miss one month. Watch out. You got 31 years and 11 months and 29 days, and you've, ah, you forgot, and then... 30 years of interest back on you. It's a trap. Money is not evil, though. It's the love of money, the love of riches, the love of something other than God is the root of all evil. The thing that motivates greed and selfishness is the root of all evil. Watch this, bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment. It all comes from loving and serving a false God instead of a true God. A greedy person is always one who is arrogant, a greedy person is always one who is selfish. A greedy person is always one who just doesn't care about other people. It's really how much can I get for myself? So God wants to redeem our money so that we might glorify our money and we might glorify him and use our money. And that's the purpose of tithing. It glorifies God. So if you want to glorify God, I would say get on in with the tithing. Luke chapter 16, verse 9, he says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon that when you fail or when you die, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Now, what, that's such a strange verse of scripture. But let's kind of break it down real, real easy and say, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon 
It's unrighteous, but if it's redeemed, then it can glorify God. And we glorify God by using our money to influence people for the kingdom of God. Because only God can take money and turn it into souls. How do you think churches are started? How do you think things happen? How do you think, how do do you think the gospel has moved forward the last thousand years? Sometimes we think, oh, it's just great. Just move the gospel forward. Yes, I'm all for it. But did you know what it takes to move the gospel forward? You say it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it does. But it also takes money to move the kingdom of God forward. So Jesus is saying, when you die, in other words, this is what's going to happen, folks. When you're faithful in giving, when we all get to be with Jesus, and it's coming, folks, it's coming. We're going to stand with people who were redeemed because we gave, because we started churches, because we did this, because we reached out here, because we served over there. We have no idea what we're doing and what impact we have. We have some indicators, but we'll never know it until Jesus comes. We'll never know it until we all stand together. And maybe somebody will come up to you and say, I just want to let you know that I found out that in 2016, you were in Northwood Church in Gulfport and you gave you gave, and you guys planted a church in Kenya, and, and I was just a little kid there, but that church, I, I grew up in that church, and, and they helped me. They delivered me. Jesus touched me, and I've been saved, and I've had 12 kids, and all of them are serving the Lord. And then I've had 14 grandkids out of that, or 25, or 36, or 100, and a generation has been changed because you gave. You see, if you don't think that way in your giving, then you won't give. And even if you do give, you'll think, ah, well, whatever. But when I give, I realize I'm going to feed the hungry. I'm going to clothe the naked. I'm going to make it possible for people to visit people in jails and hospitals. I'm going to plant churches, and souls are going to be saved, and nations are going to be changed. When I give, that's what I give to glorifying God. Hallelujah. It's not just about giving to the church. Get off the idea. Cleanse your mind of those wrong thoughts about the church and money. You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. Money is neutral. I can buy drugs with it. Or I can buy food to feed the hungry. We did that yesterday morning. As a matter of fact, one of our soul groups fed over 100 people that needed food yesterday morning. He said, well, I wasn't, I wasn't in on it. If you gave, you're in on it. I wasn't there personally, but guess what? I was there. I can't be everywhere at one time. But you know what? I give, and so I'm a part of everything. And it's so good to be part of something bigger than yourself. Come on, isn't it good to, to spread yourself out bigger than just, hey, my TV, my couch, my dinner, my car, my house. Use it to influence people. And when it's all said and done, when you die, when this thing's finished, your influence goes on and on. Third question we want to answer is, what should I do with my money? Really, what should we do with our money? What, what does God want there? You know, the, the, the Bible instructs us to be good stewards of money. Now, what we believe here is that We'll give 10 to God because he, it's his. We, we actually pay it. We don't give it. We, we pay it. It's God's. It's never ours. And then we have, to, we have 90% left over. You say, woohoo, I do what I want. Well, no, 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 you can't. Let me just burst your bubble right now. You're supposed to be a good steward of the, the rest, a good manager of the rest. 
He said, man, I can go with that 10, but man, I tell you what, don't tell me I got God get his hand in my 90. He owns you. When you commit to Christ, you belong to him completely. Everything you are, everything you hope to be. And you can be arrogant and build your tower of Babel and you'll live in confusion or you can be submitted to the Lord and be blessed. It's so wonderful to be blessed. We are to give God the first 10% and then we're to be good stewards of the, of the rest. Now, some people say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I don't have very much, so that doesn't apply to me. Well, you know, if you're not a good steward over that, which is little, you're never going to get more. You're just not going to get more. And, uh, you know, that's what Jesus said in Luke 16, 10. He said, who is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. You know, Jan and I got saved in, in April of 1980, and we started off, uh, the people led us to the Lord, we went to their church, Independent Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, and, and we didn't know anything about God. See, some of you grew up in a Christian home or around Christian, you've been to church, but me and Jan were absolutely completely dumb for God. I mean, we didn't know anything, so everything was brand new. And so I noticed when we would go to Sunday school there that people would actually, they'd actually give it the Sunday school door. And they're offering. I didn't know you did that, but that's cool. That's fine. You know, and so I would see people giving. I never heard a sermon on giving. I never knew. I never knew anything about that. But something inside of me began to feel that I should give. We were in debt. We had no money. I mean, we were in credit card debt. We were in debt completely, no money. No, you know, but I just, every Sunday, I go and say, I just feel like I got to give. So one day I brought my checkbook and I wrote a $20 check. I remember blue ink pen with a gold check. And I wrote that thing out to the church, Lanier Baptist Church. Lanier wrote $20, and I gave it there. And when I walked away, it's like, what is this all about? What is this? I could feel something. I didn't know anything, but I could feel something. I think I felt obedience. I think I felt the beginning of a blessed life. I didn't know about it. Matter of fact, I didn't know for about seven months about tithing. I was tithing and didn't even know it. I finally heard a message on it when Jan and I got home. I said, baby, you believe that? That's what we've been doing. We didn't know it. Some people hear 80 messages on tithing and never give. Some people give before they hear 80 messages. If you don't give a little, more than likely you'll never give when you get a lot. Some people say, when, when, when I get this, when I get that, when I, when I get this job, I've known people for years coming to the church. I mean, they're broken up. Their hearts are broken. Their lives are broken. Their money's shot. No job, no car. Some of you have taken them into your homes. They've lived with you. You've fed them. We've worked to get them jobs. Some of you sitting in here have got jobs for people. And I have watched people, I've watched Jesus through the church take these people, just bless their life and then I've seen them, once they get blessed, they curse God and leave God. I have seen blessings become curses in people's lives because they don't know how to get the, the, the God of mammon off of their life and begin to serve the true and living God. Never get blessed beyond loving God. Be careful that your blessing doesn't ultimately turn into a curse because we've been redeemed from the curse. So God, you know what happens? God sees a little bit and then he, he gives you a lot. It's just the way it is. Isn't it the way it works on your job? When the supervisor or the owner of the company, 
watches his 10 employees and one of them are excelling and taking responsibility and getting to work on time and great attitude. When it's time to promote, who is he going to promote? The guy that's late all the time, the guy that's always griping in the back, smoking a cigarette behind the shed all the time, eating lunch at nine o'clock in the morning. You know, which one he's going to pick? He's going to go to that industrious man that's really getting it done and he's going to promote him. Well, God's the same way. When we're faithful in that which is little, he will make us ruler over much. You see, God sees a little. That's the test. And if we're faithful in little, he gives us much. That's the passing grade. And the wonderful thing about the Lord, I love so much. He does it in my life. He does it in your life. He, he doesn't give social promotion in the kingdom. I mean, you could be 40 years old. He could be going around the same tree. Let's do this again. Christianity 101. Let's do it again. Oh, you didn't get it? Hey, we got a lot. I got eternity. God said, I got all, I got eternity. Let's do it again. Let's just keep doing it until we get it right. Because the kingdom principle is this. The good steward gets more and the poor student doesn't. That's the kingdom. And if you want a reference on that, you can read Matthew 25 because Jesus gives the story of a man who was getting ready to go on a trip, a businessman, and he got three servants. One of them he gave five talents to, one of them he gave two talents to, and one of them he gave one talent to. That's just a form of money. And, and then he said, go, be blessed. And so he went on his trip. When he came back, the guy with five talents came back and said, Lord, look, you gave me five. Here's five more. Here's 10. And, and, and the owner said, good job. The guy with two said, you gave me two. Here's two more. Here you go. He said, good job. The guy that he gave one to, the least that he gave one to, he said, here's your one. He said, you know, I, I buried it in a hole in the ground. I was afraid. I know what kind of guy you are. And I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want to gamble. I didn't want to do anything. So here's your one. And you would think God would say, well, hey, good job. Yeah, at least you didn't lose anything. But instead, what he did was he said, take the one from that guy. Give it to the guy that's got 10. Now, that just goes against what we hear today, huh? Today we hear the man who is industrious, who's an entrepreneur, who has built his business from nothing to something, give your money now to the guy who's a lazy bum. That ain't right. You give to the poor, the real poor, yes, but you never reward laziness. Did you hear that? You never re you never reward laziness. We should never reward laziness or unfaithfulness. I tell you what the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day. I was leaving the driveway here one Sunday morning. I had to go. I don't know. I had to leave before service. I saw somebody who was attached to the church. They, I don't think they're around anymore. But anyway, they, they were going the opposite direction. And I started praying for that guy. And so I was saying, Lord, what can I do to get guys like that faithful in church? And I started thinking about all the things I could do to get him more faithful. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, don't do anything more to try and make an unfaithful man faithful. And that changed my whole life. Because as a pastor, you want to make, maybe I could do this. Maybe if we had this, maybe if we had this, it would get the unfaithful. But if they're unfaithful in that which you're already giving, what makes us think that they're going to be faithful in that which is new? That was a good place to say amen, but we'll keep moving. <laughs> God blesses the guy that's the good steward. Luke 16, 12 says, if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you what is your own? See, everything we use money for in the church ultimately is to win people to Jesus. 
the true riches, the true riches that this, 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 these verses are talking about, the true riches are not money or buildings or cars or possessions or these things. That's not the true riches. The true riches, if you went to God and said, God, what is the most important thing that you've ever created? He would say, people. And if we ask him, Lord, what should be the number one goal of the church? I mean, if we could only do one thing, Lord, what would it be that we would do? And I believe the Lord would say, what you would do is you would win the loss at all cost. In other words, if we're not going to win people who are far from God to, to God, then what are we doing here? Let's go home, Lord. I'm ready to go home. This would be like a bad vacation if it wasn't to edify the church, not so you could just be edified, but that you could go and win the loss. And we spent our money at Northwood to win the loss. When I came here 27 years ago, over 27 years ago now, I looked at the books, and when I saw that we were behind in the missions giving, the first thing I did, first of all, after I got over the fear of the Lord, after I got over my God, you're going to burn the place down, you're going to kill me, I'm the leader. First thing, we're catching the missions giving up. Before we buy a light bulb, before we do this, before we buy a pencil, I'm catching these missionaries up. And we did that. That was the first thing. And since that day, 10% at least right off of the top of everything that we receive at Northwood is given away to advance the gospel. We've never missed in 27 years, not one time have we missed a tithe of the tithe. We've planted over 350 churches all over the world. Not one time. And you know what's amazing? Evidently, God said, you know what? They're faithful in that which is little. I will make them ruler over much. I have no other explanation. It's sure not about my great gift or good looks, (laughs) as you can well tell. It's not about that. It's about faithful in that which is little. I told you, Jan, I started tithing before we knew what it was. You know what? I just loved, and I'm, I'm just going to boast in the Lord for just one second, okay? It, it's hilarious. I now give weekly more than I used to make weekly. It is more blessed to give than receive. It is more blessed. But don't go after it just for money because we didn't. As a matter of fact, God tests us again. Jan was making a part-time job of $500 a month being paid cash, evading taxes. That's what we were doing. They would pay us cash, no tax. And this is what the Lord spoke to us early in our walk. Early, he said, I want your wife to quit work and come home. We're already in debt up to here. We already don't have enough money. Now we're going to take $500 cash out of the budget. I mean, that's a lot of money back then. Still a lot of money today. And so we just were obedient and said, okay, Lord. I said, Jan, give them two weeks, quit. She quit. We never missed a meal. Lord showed us how to live on his portion. Did it take faith? I guess it did. We didn't know it was faith back then. I love to do things the right way before I'm taught how to do them. It's so rewarding to find out later on that, yes, 
the Holy Spirit is well able to teach me. Understand that? Now, we caught up the missions. We've planted churches all over the world. We've helped people locally. We've planted churches in America. We just sent a, some money to a, a brand new church planter this past week. Going to help them get going. You know what we sent the money for? <laughs> this, will, this will help some of you. We sent the money so that he could build a website. And some people got a real problem with that. Say, I want to put the gospel out. That's putting the gospel out. In the same way, putting tires on the truck of a missionary or buying a motorcycle for a missionary in Togo, Africa, that he can get to the villages to bring the gospel. You understand? That's what the money's all about. And so every one of us, all of us in this room, every one of you who named Northwood. Now, if you're, if you're a guest in the house, you can kind of tune out. But anyway, I'll keep one ear open in case you decide to stay. At Northwood, every one of us, we should be mentoring somebody, helping somebody, considering somebody. We should be serving somebody. We should be leading a group. We should be in a group. We should be giving. We should be giving. We should be giving. Every person should be giving at Northwood. Watch this. Now, I'm going to say it. I wasn't going to say it, but then I think I'm going to say it. A person. Now, you got to take this right, okay? Take this right. I love you. You know that. But if a person doesn't serve is unfaithful and doesn't give in this ministry, but comes every weekend, what you are, you are a perpetual guest. You're only taking. When guests come to my house, they don't give anything. They receive everything. They're a guest. And if all you're doing is receiving you're a guest. We love guests. Guests are wonderful. But my job as a pastor is to get you involved in kingdom business so that you can be fruitful and multiply. So it's time to get with the program, get on in and start doing something. Come on, do something. Amen. Do something. Because this is what God says. He says, if you're faithful in the little things, I'm going to make you ruler over the true riches. We want people to be saved. We want God to bring people to this church. Then we have to be about the Father's business. Every aspect of it. I am living proof that God will take a nobody who knows nothing, who really hates God, and turn a life around and remove the perversion from that person's life and do some kind of miracle and make them productive in the kingdom of God. Otherwise, if Christ wouldn't have got me when he got me, I'd be divorced in hell right now. There's no way that I would still be alive. I'd be with a lot of my friends who didn't make it. So now, can I give you just three next steps real quick? Something you can take home with you so that you can really work. Number one, I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to deal with it again at the end. I want you to commit to Christ and his principles. If you're already committed to Christ, would you commit to his principles? Found in the word in black and white. Read it, do it, be blessed. That's what James says. If you're a hearer of the word and a doer of the word, you shall be blessed in all that you do. So, so commit to Christ. Number two, I'm going to ask the church to commit to the tithe. 
I'm going to ask you to step out in faith and commit to the tithe. 10% right off the top of your income. Prove God. Go ahead. Prove him. But notice this. Some people say, ah, like one preacher told me one time, he said, I've never missed a tithe in my life, but I violated every other principle of God's word. And that's why I went broke four times. So don't think that you can just throw 10% at God and say, you got to bless me. No, 10% and manage or steward the rest properly. And number three, I'm going to ask you to commit to a class. On the table right here in the rear over there, there's a list for the financial class that's going to start in November. I just want you to sign up. Get taught about how to handle your money. You know what? We think because we have babies that we're parents and we know how to do it. That's not true. We need to learn. And we think because we get a paycheck, we're some kind of financial wizard. We're not. We need to learn. How do I run my household concerning finances? We want to help you do that for several weeks. You'll sign that paper right there. And remember, sign up and show up. These three simple things I think will change your life. If you indeed want change or feel like you really need change. Now let's bow our heads together. I want you to get along with God for just a moment. And I want to go back to that first point of committing to Christ. Now we talked about the spirit of mammon. We talked about finances. We, you know, where does, where does Christ fit into this and the sinner being converted? Well, you're in the house of God and God wants your heart before he wants anything else about you. Because where your heart is, is where God wants you. I don't know where you are in this room right now. But some of you, when you came in this place, you felt something that you've not felt in a long time or maybe never before. You're here and you say, you know, this place, look, it's not about this place. It's about who is in this place. Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, is enveloping your heart right now. And he's speaking to you about your life. It's so important, folks, that we decide our eternal destination while we're still alive. So if you're in this room right now and and, and you examine your life right now to find out where is Christ in your life, and you come up empty and say, I don't believe he's here. Maybe you're like me. That's how I was. It's like, no, Jesus has no place in my life. I'm going to help you commit to following him today. You're going to make a commitment that says, Lord Jesus, I ask you to take my sin and exchange it for your righteousness. I'm going to ask you to take my old life and exchange it for a brand new life in you. You don't even have to understand everything about it. You just need to trust him. That is called faith. You simply just call on his name and a supernatural thing takes place inside of your heart. So I'm going to help you do that. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, nobody gawking, looking around. If you say, Pastor Van, I want to commit my life to following Jesus. All I'm asking you to do, I'm not going to make you come up to the front of a room or anything like that. I'm just going to ask you to just shoot your hand up that I know who I'm praying with. If you're in this room right now, you say, Pastor Van, me. Thank you, ma'am. Right over here to the back. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, right here in the center. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Over here to my left. Thank you so much. People everywhere just saying, you know what? I need God. Before anything else, you need your sin forgiven. You need to repent of your sin. You need to turn to your God. And you need to serve the Lord Jesus Christ all of your life. 
And that's what you're getting ready to do right now. Even if you didn't raise your hand and you want in on this, I'm going to be praying. I'm going to pray with you. And I want you to just agree with me right now. Open up your heart, you who raised your hand. Open up your heart. Forget about your head. Forget about your thoughts. Forget about just open up your heart and say, God, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you, but I want to know you. Father, we love you because you loved us first. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. That's right. Just ask the Lord to do that right there in your heart. I ask you to come change me. I commit my life to you, Lord Jesus. I give you everything I am. I don't even understand all about you, but I need you. And so I give you my heart and my life. And Lord, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my days. I'm going to turn from everything that is sin as you show me, Lord God, as you teach me. I just want to serve you. I thank you for forgiving me today, for changing my life from the inside out and making me a new person in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen, and amen, come on. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we wanna send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next time.